Welcome to The Row Report, a podcast that brings you the latest news, exclusive interviews, and valuable insights from the region's top real estate leaders. And now, our host, Elizabeth Rowe. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Row Report, where we help real estate agents like you think, feel, and act like a pro. I'm your host, Elizabeth Rowe, the broker and owner of Rowe Real Estate. And I'm Adam Robinson. I'm the station partner here at Northwest Arkansas Business Radio X, excited for another episode of The Row Report. Elizabeth, how are you feeling about the episode today? Oh, I honestly, I couldn't be more excited. We've got a lot of really great content planned for our agents today, and I think it's just going to be really beneficial in helping you know, bump up to that next level, whether it's in additional production with, um, you know, building a good relationship with someone and being able to really elevate um, your price point, elevate your numbers um, through just one contact. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's also... Uh, when you talk about relationships, you're talking about leadership and building influence. And, and we're going to talk about the importance of both of those things in developing that that influence or that relationship with an attorney, correct? Yeah, right. Yes. So I talk a lot to my agents and other agents in the business about how to really kind of level up, how to bring their numbers up, how to bring their sales price up. And one of the things that I tell people is one of the best and most beneficial in multiple ways, by the way, that I've been able to do that is through a relationship with an attorney, family law specifically. Okay, great. Well, I've got a few questions yeah. knowing that this was the topic. I just wanted to go ahead and pick your brain a little you bit. And you all got that I'm ready. Stuff. All right. All Rapid right. Fire. Here we so, go. When it comes to, I think with our listeners out there, they're going to say, why do I need a relationship with an attorney? So let me just lead off with that one. What's the big deal? Why do I need an attorney when it seems like I could navigate this myself? Right, right. And I really think that, you know, most real estate agents feel like if they encounter an issue, right? They're advised to, number one, not act as an attorney. And mm. we have to be really careful in real estate to not act as an attorney. And so stuff like writing extra things in contracts, you know, the more blanks that we do more than just check boxes and the more stuff we write, the more liability there is. So your broker out there is going to have a lot of advice in that regards. But really, I think what makes an agent exceptional versus not is when they're able to provide their client with additional resources. And you think, well, what could that be other than legal advice, right? That was my next question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So really, um, you know, for example, with investors, I think that it's important when you have a lot of holdings, when you have a lot of assets like that, that you're, if you love your family, this is kind of the advice for mm -hmm. them, right? And it's to have things like a trust set up or mm -hmm. beneficiary deeds and why that's important, you know, what that prevents your family from having to go through, such as probate and just, you know, all that death is hard enough, right? On right. your family, yeah. just hard enough anyway. And having to go through some of those extra processes are just a lot harder. So not to mention tax implications that can be a part of, you know, titling property wrong. Yeah. So it's really more of a service that I feel like agents can offer their clients as that next step. You know, in real estate, we don't want to just be the go-to for, do you have a house you want to buy or sell? Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's, it, it just needs to be more than that. You really want to be the hub of your network. And that's what I love about having a relationship with an attorney is you're really able to give that referral in confidence. And it's something that makes a huge difference for you and your family in regards to 
trust, probate, things like that. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to hope that my wife isn't watching this part because when you said death, for some reason, the word divorce triggered <laughs> in my head too. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about that as well today. Yeah. So I'm guessing that there are some challenges that, that occur during a divorce. Um, uh, I know that, that I've been through one. We had to mm-hmm. deal with property settlement and all that yes. good stuff. Um, is that is that one of the main reasons why it's important to have that relationship? You know, I think that it's, it's a good re- reason to. It's also just another tool in your tool belt to have, right? Um, I think that another, let me back up. I think that the real benefit there is when people get divorced and they have property that they need to settle, the people are usually not getting along. Like, that's why they're getting a divorce anyway, right? Mm, right. So how reasonable are you really expecting these people to be with each other through a major real estate transaction right. in selling a property, as far as who the agent is, what the price is, who's living there and doing the showings. Sometimes people can just be vengeful or spiteful or, you know, just because. So sometimes it's really nice to have that attorney mediate those situations sure. or, you know, have an agreement amongst them to where everyone comes into this when you list a property and it's on the same page. Nobody's wasting time, things like that. Yeah, right. But really, like I kind of, you know, hit on in the beginning, what I see as a real benefit in my business is the um, availability of additional income mm. through having a relationship with an attorney, through being the go-to for them to refer deals to. So I think that's kind of a missing source of wealth for real estate agents when they think of other people. They're like, oh, I want investors and I want, right. you know, you think of other business owners and things like that. But I don't really think that agents look at this source of income as as what that is and that i I don't mean that to sound you know rude or not like the relationship makes sense but um i think that there are the reason people buy and sell homes Mm -hmm. is what to make money yeah so, and usually there's a life change, right? Oh, sure. Either somebody has a baby, somebody's getting married, Kids somebody's getting divorced. Out. There's a death, right? Yeah. So if you go to the source of what you know the trigger is for those life events and who who's usually involved in that in the beginning, it only makes sense that that's a direct connection to additional yeah. source of, of wealth for you as yeah. a referral partner. Well, I'm telling you folks, we're already talking about missing sources of wealth. We're talking about all of the important things that go into having a relationship with an attorney. You've tuned into the Row Report. We'll be right back with Elizabeth's guest and the Row Roundtable in just a second. Are you ready to become a true hometown hero? Join our exclusive program at Northwest Arkansas Business Radio X and make a lasting difference in our community. With your Hometown Hero membership, you'll not only be invited on two separate podcast episodes over the life of your six-month membership, but you will also enjoy a well-deserved recognition at every event sponsored by Hometown Heroes. Don't miss this opportunity to shine. Join today for just $99 per month and let your heroic spirit ignite positive change. No commitment required. Cancel anytime. It's Hometown Heroes with Northwest Arkansas Business Radio X. Get ready to dive into the captivating world of real estate with The Row Report, the brand new podcast that will keep you informed and inspired. Join host Elizabeth Rowe as she brings you insightful conversations, expert opinions, and inspiring stories from the real estate scene in Northwest Arkansas. 
Whether you're a real estate professional seeking to expand your knowledge or simply interested in the fascinating world of realty, this podcast is tailor-made for you. Elizabeth's passion for the industry and her commitment to delivering valuable content will ensure you gain fresh insights and a deeper understanding of the real estate market in Northwest Arkansas. Be sure to join us for each and every episode of The Row Report each Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. exclusively on Northwest Arkansas Business Radio X. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The Row Report. Joining us today is a really just a highly respected attorney in her field of family law and truthfully my go-to even for all things family law related. And I have to be honest, my very best friend, Leslie Copeland, welcome to the show. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. We're going to have some fun today. Absolutely. As we always do. So. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. No, Leslie, I've, I mean, I've had the just, I mean, it's really been, I've had the awesome experience, let's just say that, of knowing you for many years. And I really wanted to bring you on the show today because I really feel like through watching you work all these years, I've seen just the amazing things that you do for people and how professional you are. And how you've built, helped build my business and help my clients along the way. So I really just want to bring you into the conversation today for our agents to really just help them understand, you know, how having a relationship with an attorney is going to benefit them, benefit their clients, and, you know, just a way that you can really use your professionalism and experience to modify transactions in a way that... It's a win-win for everybody. So since I've known you forever, I know all the great stuff, right? But for our listeners, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, how you got involved in family law, and just a little bit about your practice. Sure. And let me say, you know, we have been friends for so long, and I feel like one of the first things that we connected on were being business owners. Oh, right. So we're best friends. We're both business owners. And it's been amazing to see how our different areas and our businesses uh, intertwine yeah. and overlap and how we've been able to be resources to one another. So I'm super glad to be here today and uh, allow your listeners in on some of our some of our secrets, right? right? Yeah. Um, I have been a family law attorney for almost 10 years now, wow. unbelievably. And, um, and I really know what I'm doing. And that feels really good, right? Right. Um, my office is in downtown Fayetteville. Um, I have a small law firm with two other female uh, women associates. And um, we practice all manner of family law. So that includes divorce, custody, guardianship, adoption, um, as well as estate planning. Mm. When I say family law, I mean taking care of your family. And those are any of those big life changes that you might have. And that includes uh, preparing for the inevitable. So putting an estate plan together um, and then dealing with probate, you know, as well. Um, I'm also a certified mediator, and I spend a lot of my time helping people mediate their disputes outside of the courtroom. And I've really found that uh, my personality, my skills, maybe also my gender, because I feel like I have a lot of emotional intelligence, and that can really help people in these tense and and difficult situations. Um, So I love what I do, and I love when we get the chance to work together. Absolutely. So have I. So have I. Well, we're just going to dive right into questions. I've got some kind of rapid fire questions for you today that I just want to, you know, really just bring to light some of the more interconnectivity between real estate agents and family law attorneys. Again, when when most people think of family law, they think, oh, I'm filing for a divorce. Okay. But we're talking more about 
life changes that create opportunities in real estate, right? Absolutely. Love it. All right. So first, uh, what's the most common context for real estate agents to work with a family law attorney? Where do you find that there's the most common thread there? So a lot of times when people call me and they're thinking about divorce, they're needing information. They're wanting me to do an assessment of their case. And in order for me to assess their case, I have to look at what marital property and marital debt uh, there might be. And oftentimes the biggest asset that people have um, is the home, the marital home. And there's usually a mortgage associated with that. And they're wondering what's going to happen to the house when we get divorced. And in order for me to do that assessment, I have to have a couple of pieces of information. Um, One thing I have to have is the fair market value Mm -hmm. of the home. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I need the amount of the mortgage, and that's going to determine how much equity is in the home. Right. Um, And in Arkansas, we look at dividing marital property equitably. So Mm -hmm. we're looking at each party. Let me me start you there. Mm -hmm. When you say marital property, because I know that some agents get this confused. So for example, if I own property, and then I get married, and then we're getting a divorce, is that considered still considered marital property? Is Am I splitting equity with that person? Or are we talking about if we acquire property while we're married? So all property that is acquired by either spouse during the marriage is marital property. Okay. If it was property that was owned before the marriage, it's presumed to be non-marital unless it's been commingled. Mm. So these are things that can become part of the divorce process is is there any interest in this non-marital property? Mm -hmm. Is there any way this might have been mutated to be marital property? Mm -hmm. So anytime you have a client, that agent has a client that is married, um, you need to tread lightly and make sure that both parties are on the same page, that there's paperwork in place as to what's going to happen with this property. But I have to call in a a real estate agent to help me determine the fair market value of the Mm -hmm. home. A lot of times people will want to undervalue by using, let's say, the county appraisal value (laughs) or people will get on Zillow (laughs) and be like, oh, well, this is what it is. And oftentimes that is not realistic. Right. Um, Did did you actually know that uh, a couple of years ago, Zillow almost, well, I don't know if I should say that or not. There was a company out there. (laughs) An unnamed. Yes. That almost lost their tail ends because the properties that they had purchased were overvalued. Mm, that's a conflict. Right? Yeah, and absolutely. so um, it's like when when buyers or sellers, when sellers specifically come in and they say, oh, well, Zillow says my property is worth X, it's usually way more than what to market. Today's market value shows. And I is that can, what you're finding too? Absolutely. And I can qualify my real estate agent as an expert to come in and testify about why they think the property is valued the way that they have valued mm-hmm. it based on the comps, you know, and other things. Um, and and that is the cheapest way for people to get their property assessed. Of course, you can have an appraiser mm-hmm. come in, but that's going to take time. That's going to take money. And so the easiest thing for me to do is to call my local real estate agent <laughs> and have her run some comps for me mm-hmm. so that we have somewhere to start. That also begins that relationship. Sure. So as we then go through the divorce process, we've already started with this very simple thing Mm -hmm. for the agent to get us the value. And then we have that connection for the rest of the process, depending on what's going to happen with the house. Yeah, that's good. So usually, you know, some, a client might come in and they have property that they need to sell is what you're saying. And if they don't have a real estate agent or they can't agree on a real estate agent, you're saying that by having an agent provide value, that's a good foundation point for you to then 
have an agent to refer them to for listing the property. A lot of times, one of the spouses will say, oh, well, my brother-in-law, cousin, <laughs> sister, or whoever <laughs> yeah. is a real estate agent. And the other party is like, absolutely not. Right. We're not using them. And I'll say, hey, guys, I have somebody. She's the best. And, you know, and we can use that. So, um, yeah, a lot of times as part of uh, the divorce process, especially in the current climate, People do end up selling yeah. the home and, and putting it on the market. Um, of course, there's also often a refinance option. You can buy the other party out of their yeah. portion of yeah. the equity if you are able to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of questions around that. I think we'll, we can kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, in regards to the market and fluctuations, that is something that we're seeing right now in our market with values and interest rates and things like that. So how do you... Um, or I guess, how do fluctuations in the market in regards to interest rates and value affect what clients are going through in a divorce? Yeah. You know, as you know, Elizabeth, people can get really emotionally attached to homes. Absolutely. It's, and where, it's where a lot of people bring their babies home to or where when they got married, they carried them across the threshold. It, it is it's an emotional thing. Blood, sweat and tears. Absolutely. Into these Absolutely. Homes, you know, yeah. and so they also a lot of times if there are children involved, you know, they might say, well, listen, it would be less of a change for the kids to try to keep the house. And a few years ago, during the pandemic, when we were seeing those 2% interest rates, anyone could refinance and everyone was refinancing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was very easy, much easier if someone wanted to keep the home, even if they had, let's say, a lower income, their chances of getting approved for a refinance Mm -hmm. and buying the other party out. The affordability even for them was was easier. Yes, Yes, the affordability um, and the price. You know, and so now with the higher interest rates, it is so much harder. People who have to refinance, they want to keep their home, they might see the mortgage uh, doubling or tripling, and that's unaffordable for a yeah, lot of people. Sure. So we are seeing uh, folks have to sell the home a lot more, mm-hmm. which I try to encourage people to think of it as a new start. Um, and also, you're going to have a lot more flexibility. You're going to be able to sell the home for a lot more, right. you know, right now. And so think of that in a, in a positive light. Mm, I like um, it. So we do see that more often with the, with the higher interest rates right That's now. That's really good. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good. Let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about beneficiary deeds. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that I don't feel like the vast majority of people walking around really have, you know, an understanding of, right? So with beneficiary deeds um, and them becoming more common, could you explain how they work? Um, what real estate agents need to be aware of when dealing with prospective, you know, clients that are wanting to do that, or if even a beneficiary deed is something that maybe an agent should say, hey, have you thought about this? And if so, this is who you need to talk to about. A beneficiary deed is a wonderful tool. So what a beneficiary deed is, is it's a deed that the owner executes while they are living Mm -hmm. that says uh, who will have title to the property after they pass. And this is opposed to say that um, I have a child that's much older. So let's say that this is 20 years down the road, right? So, and I go to purchase a house. So you're talking about instead of thinking, oh, well, when I die, I want my kids to inherit this. So I'm just going to put their name on the title with me. Don't do that. Right? (laughs) (laughs) There are so many legal implications. Can we just say into the camera, don't Don't do do that. that. Yeah. Do not put your adult child on the deed to the home. Do a beneficiary deed. There are a lot of reasons for this, and some of them have to do with divorce law. So let's say... uh, 
they get title while they're married and then they get divorced. There's a lot of implications there. The best thing to do and the most flexibility that you have is to do the beneficiary deed. You can always change your mind. You can revoke it. You can amend it, you know, while you're living. There's also some major tax consequences. Ma- major tax consequences. Major. <laughs> and this is about, of course, step-up basis, your basis mm-hmm. in the property, uh, your capital gains tax. Essentially, um, your loved one uh, will have a much better tax and financial situation through a beneficiary deed than uh, gaining title to the property while while you're still living. The other wonderful thing about beneficiary deeds is they are so quick and easy mm. and affordable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not have the thousands of dollars that it typically takes to do an entire trust right. for your estate, uh, but an attorney can draft a beneficiary deed quickly and easily. You take it up to the courthouse, there's a small filing fee, and then you have that peace of mind. And that's really what estate planning is all about, mm-hmm. um, is that peace of mind. And for me, also flexibility. Um, being able to change things, right? And you have that with the beneficiary deed. That's really good. So, you're, what you're saying is, it's a great way to have your family members avoid a major tax burden, perhaps, and or it becoming messy in the case of divorce or just you know how that property becomes split, bankruptcies. Oh, if if yeah. they get sued, you know, there's a lot of implications. Yeah. You do not want to go down that road. Just right. trust me. That's really good. Yeah. Speaking of trust, yeah. <laughs> Let's let's jump into trust because I heard okay. you mention that. So you said that, you know, if people are not able to spend the, you know, several thousand dollars to set up a trust, things like that, and then have the beneficiary deeds part, be part of it, you can do that separately. But in regards to setting up a trust, um, if there isn't a trust or a beneficiary deed and the property needs to be go through probate, how can real estate agents assist in selling that property owned by the estate while um, ensuring that everything's being done in a legal manner or things like that. And maybe just also kind of talk about the differences in probate and why we have it and how a trust, you know, prevents that and just kind of how that is connected because right now it's, it's really just like a jumbled up box of coat hangers to most people, right? They look at it and they're just like, ah, that's a mess. So try to give us some clarity on that. Yeah. Let's unpack this a little bit. Let's get some clarity. Um, you know, the first thing I want to say is that every adult should have a basic estate plan. Um, a basic estate plan has three different parts. It will have your last will and testament. It'll have a financial power of attorney and a healthcare power of attorney. And this is going to at least cover the basics. If you're incapacitated, Mm -hmm. um, then you've designated who's going to make decisions for you. Uh, And then if you pass, it tells the court how you would want your assets um, distributed. now, with uh, if that's all that you have and your estate is worth more than $100,000, with a few exceptions, then your uh, estate will have to be probated. Mm. And probate, um, there are some pros to it, meaning there's court oversight, so things mm. are going to be done correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of cons. It um is very public. It can take a really long time. I mean, one to two years. To me, that um, sounds like a lot of money to complete. And <laughs> and it is a lot of money. You're you're yeah. paying attorneys and and you know real estate agents and um, other professionals quite mm-hmm. a bit um, in order to to probate an estate. And is it true that a lot of times maybe that money in the estate can't be accessed if Correct. it's in? So it's really just the heirs 
coming up with the money to pay the attorneys, things like that. And then they hope for some sort of reimbursement through the estate. So it can either be done that way. You can pay the attorney by the hour up front, or what's more common is the attorney gets a percentage of the estate. Oh, wow. So if you have a large estate, the attorney, you know, will be compensated greater um, for that. Right. And so the attorney is getting a cut basically. Mm-hmm. And also, like you said, the, the beneficiaries or the heirs rather are having to wait a really long time before they have access. Um, to this money. So um, probate is not ideal. Mm -hmm. Um, It is available. It's something that I handle and try to make as painless for people Mm -hmm. as I can, but it can be avoided uh, with some uh, appropriate planning. And that's through creating a a revocable trust. Right. So this is where um, we set up a trust Typically, the way that I do the trust, I work with a lot of families with young children. And so the most common trust that I do is a family revocable trust Mm -hmm. where we provide um, what assets will fund the trust upon the death of one or both of the trustees, and then what's going to happen to all of the assets. A lot of times, if there are young children, then we're providing how those assets and when they will be distributed. For example, with probate, um, an 18-year-old might get a really big check. Um, But with a trust, you're going to have to use that money for college uh, Mm -hmm. or educational expenses. You might get some when you're 25, some when you're 27, the rest when you're 30. Um, And so it's really a way to help protect the beneficiary um, and protect the trust and and the funds I think when I was setting mine up, I had said, well, look, I just don't want my kids to have access to pizza and beer money when they're 21, right? Like, let's make it, let's make it 30 and they can get their hands on that. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Um, And so uh, there's a lot of flexibility with that as well. And um, you can be really creative in what you're going to do. And also the trustee will have access to the property and the money immediately. They can invest that Mm. on behalf of the beneficiaries and actually make money over time. Um, So there's a lot of benefits um, to having a trust. And certainly I would encourage anyone who thinks that they might be over that $100,000 threshold. But really, if your estate is more than $250,000, you really need to be looking at this because that's where those big implications and attorney's fees and things that's come really in. That's really good. So that can kind of be the marker that real estate agents look at before they have the additional conversation with a client. Say, hey, you know, in this, you're going to have about this much equity, this, that, or the other. Have y'all thought about a trust? Have you thought about, let me connect you with an attorney. What is your estate plan? Yeah. 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 What do you have in place? What is your plan? You know, another thing to do, and and you and I uh, are more apt to do these sorts of things, but have a binder Mm. where with your passwords and your accounts and, you know, do your loved ones a favor because I've been both personally and professionally on Mm. the other side of those plans not being in place. And not only are you dealing emotionally with the death of the loved one, but then you're also dealing with all of the crap (laughs) of, you know, trying to find the property and what to do with it and probating it. Right. It can be really taxing. about things like, well, didn't they have a life insurance policy? But where is it? Who was it with? How do we, but what you're saying is if it's in the trust and they make the trust, the beneficiary of these things, it's just, it funnels everything into one easy spot. And we physically give you a binder that says, here's all of your stuff. Here's who you need to give it to. Here's what to include. And so um, really, especially I really think any adult, but especially families with children need to consider these things. That's really good. That's really good. Well, let's talk a little bit more about inherited um, properties. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they may involve multiple heirs, right? With different opinions. (laughs) 
it's like you don't really know how differing opinions you have sometimes with siblings until unfortunately there's there's a death in the family and that really just brings out the worst in people right can. yeah so what are some strategies that real estate agents can um, employ to help mediate and facilitate an agreement amongst the beneficiaries for the sale and distribution of a property. Yeah, let me start by saying, you know, I've been a divorce attorney for the last 10 years, and some of the most contentious cases I've ever had were probate cases mm. um, because people are fighting over arguments that happened 25 years ago. <laughs> sure. And plus, there's money involved, yeah. and, you know, it, it really can get contentious. Um, and I think sometimes the, the real estate agent can be put in a difficult position when they're mm. hearing different things. Um, you want to start at the beginning. So, so start by looking at the paperwork. Who is in charge of this estate? Okay, who is the trustee or the executor of the estate? Because that's the person that that you're really beholden to. Right, right. Um, and, and I've been in situations, and, and we've talked about this, where other members of the family will be calling and telling me as the agent, well, we need to do this and we need to do that. And if they're not the executor of the estate or things like that, they don't have the authority. They don't. Yeah. Typically, there's one person. It's really just a lot of noise at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, as a mediator, I run into this a lot where um, people will have a lot of extraneous thoughts and feelings on whatever the issue might be. I try to let people um, express themselves to me. So go ahead and tell me tell me how you feel, tell me what happened, get it out, yeah. right? But I don't get uh, on the frozen lake with them. Oh, and this yes. is an analogy you and I yeah. have used in, in um, talking with each other, but I don't I don't get out there with them and participate in it. I let them, you know, express themselves. But at the end of the day, you have to know who your client is and what the client is, is bound by. And if it's, let's say, a probate process, uh -huh. then you're going to have an executor. And the executor can only do what the court has authorized them. Them to do. This includes price changes, correct? Yes. Or even when, let's say that you go under contract and the buyers find something wrong with the property or something comes to light and they want to change that price. It's not as simple as just an addendum that the executor of the estate signs. Don't you also have to go back and get court approval for this court approval for everything in probate. So the executor cannot sign your real estate contract until they have been authorized to do so. And until um, the court has authorized them to list the property at a particular price, they may not do so. Mm. So one thing that the real estate agent does for us in a probate process is to get broker's price opinions. Mm -hmm. So the court will require three broker's price opinions in addition to uh, the comps and the assessment of the real estate agent to tell us what a good price is going to be, what a fair market value yeah. is going to be. And why this is important is that let's say um, another family member wants to buy the property, okay? Yeah. Well, they can't come in and undercut and, and get it for a cheap price. If yeah. it's going through probate, they... Anyone has to pay a That's fair good. market value. So the real estate agent will get those broker's price opinions for us so that we can list the property. Let's say we list the property and um, we get some offers and uh, the best one that we get is below what we were asking. We then have to go to the court and ask for court permission mm. uh, to sell. And then we have to have a court order before the executor can close. So really at every step of the process in probate, you have to have a court order. And if you're in that position as the realtor, 
call the attorney if you have any questions yeah. to make sure that everything is being done just so. That's good. And that can even help buyer's agents when, you know, another property that they've made an offer on is listed. It's not just as easy as, well, just sign the sign the addendum. And I, I see a lot of agents, they get frustrated with that process. So I think it's great to understand that that process involves you know, a lot more than just a stroke of the pen. If you're a buyer or a buyer's agent and it's a, a probated property, you have to know it's going to take longer. It's mm -hmm. going to be a little more difficult, yep. you know, but there are some incredible homes in incredible locations that sometimes go through this process. Absolutely. So I really think it's worth, you know, the, the sweat and the extra time. Absolutely. Uh, a little more instant equity sometimes maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's good to know. That's mm -hmm. good. You got anything else on that? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, we're <laughs> going to jump in our last question here. Um, I just want to know what are some important considerations and potential um, pitfalls, I guess, that real estate agents should be aware of when representing clients involved in a real estate transaction when it comes to family law matters? Like what are kind of the top tips, I guess, and, and pitfalls that you would say, hey, watch out for this? Yeah, you know, it depends on where they are in the process. I think a lot of times, um, so it's it's a very common scenario that someone will call the attorney and say, hey, we're going to do an uncontested divorce. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're agreed on everything. It's going to be great, grand, wonderful, quick, fast and easy. Sometimes yes. Rarely. And sometimes <laughs> no. Yeah. And so a lot of times these deals fall apart. I mean, things happen between the people or there's things they haven't taken into consideration or their legal representative may say, hey, we can't make that work. That's not yeah, how this works, right. you know? Yeah. And so their agreement may fall apart. But if at that point they've already hired a realtor and they think they're going to be selling the house, mm -hmm. you know, we may have to pump the brakes a yeah. little bit. Um, the other thing that sometimes happens is if let's say they agree to sell the home, but they don't agree as to what's going to happen with the proceeds. Right. So they may say, Hey, I want to keep my retirement. I'll give you more mm. out of the house. You know, sometimes there's these sorts of deals being done. Um, and if we don't have an agreement, then the proceeds from the house will typically be placed into the court registry mm -hmm. or sometimes even the attorney's trust account Interesting. and held until such time as we have a full and final agreement. That's so good. really nothing is final in a divorce until we have a property settlement agreement and a decree of divorce. That's good. And so until that point, it is a little wild, wild west. Yeah. So just be prepared as the agent that this is is a fluid situation and things can change. And if you have questions, call one of the attorneys because mm. probably both people will be represented. Um, certainly I can tell you where we are in the process. Um, if there are court orders, everyone wants to make sure they're abiding by those, Yeah, you know, but yeah. um, just have your, uh, your antennas up. Right. If you are uh, representing people or you're part of a divorce process, because things do change throughout the process um, good until it's final. That's good. So really what I'm hearing you say is when people are maybe when they approach a real estate agent to list, say, list the property and they're just like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And, you know, agents are hot to try. They're like, sign here, press hard for copies. You know what, what I mean? And what, what I'm hearing you say is there's usually a lot more that goes into it than are you ready to sign here? And it involves having good communication between the client, the mutual client and the attorney. Yes. And you might specifically ask them, do you have a property settlement agreement? 
agreement? Do That's you perfect. have a contract? Mm-hmm. And if they don't, it's okay. If they both have signed off for you to sell the property, go ahead and sell, but just know that there, there can be some complications, you know, along the way. Um, and if there is a property settlement agreement, you could take a look at that just so you know what the, what the judge has ordered. That's really good. Really good. You got anything else you want to add? Anything you want to tell our viewers or listeners? Well, I um, I always like to tell people, if you have any sort of legal issue, uh, please call us. Um, I may not handle everything under the sun, but I know the right people that do. Man, the power of a so. good referral. That's such good information, Leslie. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with our guests, or, you know, listeners or viewers today that you really feel like might help agents and or potential buyers and sellers in the market? Well, I just like to tell everyone that if you have a legal issue, call an attorney, right? And there's a range of legal issues out there. Um, Of course, we handle family law and and estate planning. But if you have any legal issue, whether it be a a criminal issue or a contract issue, uh, personal injury, please give our firm a call. We're happy to make the right referral and get you in touch with the right people. And isn't that what it's all about? Absolutely. Man, the power of a referral. that's, That's what it all comes back down to, guys. Well, our time has come, and I just I really want to thank our esteemed guest today. Thank you so much, Leslie, for coming on the show. You've really provided just a powerhouse of a show and just great content for our agents out there, and thanks so much. Until next time, everybody, this is Elizabeth Rowe, your host of The Rowe Report, signing off, and we'll see you back here next week.